Good morning. Thank you for joining our channel. And thank you for joining our church today. Today, I want to quickly tell you about what we covered last week, a recap of what we covered last week, so that it will serve as a reminder as we go into this week's text. Last week, we started talking about the fact that Christ is the end of the law to them that believe, which means Christ is the end of the law as a means for righteousness to them that believe. What does that mean? It means that everything that the law says should happen has been fulfilled in Jesus. Christ is a fulfillment of what the law uh, meant to achieve as a means to declare us righteous before God. And as we began to, as we dealt with that and looked into the fact that Christ has fulfilled the law for us, we then look at one law, particularly last week about, which is which is in the Bible called the law of the goer in the book of Leviticus chapter 25. And the law of the goer says that if someone in your family is sold to slavery as it were, and they are incapable of buying themselves back, that somebody in the family can come back and buy the person back. And when the person buys the person back, the person that has bought somebody back should not never ever lord it over the person that has been bought back. Why? Because it's a family affair. And as I rounded up last week, one of the things I said was that Christ fulfilled this for us as well. The law of the world is a type of the law that was in there for Christ to fulfill. Christ actually fulfilled that law for us in the new covenant, which is what I'm going to be covering in today's text. All right. So please sit back and relax as I go through the conditions surrounding the law of the world and how Christ has made that for us. I'll see you on the inside. God bless you. Okay, Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of life. Father, we just want to bless you because you're faithful, wonderful, and kind. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your children. Thank you, Almighty God, for people that are tuning in from all over the world. Thank you for the word that will come out this morning, powerfully touching lives and changing lives. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that will made manifest the power of your word to transform lives and change destiny. Thank you for the word that will come out, Almighty God, out of my mouth this morning. We've got touching lives setting captives free. May these words, O Almighty God, be words that soothe, words that help, words that showcase the power of the Most High God in the name of Jesus, words that elevate in Jesus' name. Glorify yourself this morning and edify your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Okay, thank you so much again for coming to church. Uh, today we will continue the second part of the law of the goel that I started last week. If you remember last week, I started talking about the fact that Christ fulfilled the law for us. That Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. Which means Christ brought to a conclusion everything that the law said we have to fulfill which means christ fulfilled the mandates of the law for us especially as a means for righteousness what does that mean it means that uh, if we're to look at a way to become righteous the law couldn't make us righteous christ made us righteous and every legal requirement of the law Every single one of them has been fulfilled in Christ or has been fulfilled by Christ. And because it's been fulfilled by Christ, we fulfill them. All right. No. So what I'm essentially saying is that the law is not meant to be um, a yastic that we are meant to be regulating our lives today. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually treats, treats us like children of God, not servants of God. You know, servants of God rules. If you have uh, somebody living in your house, uh, maybe uh, an au pair that's taking care of your children, the au pair will have rules and regulation, you know, list of do's and don'ts. Uh, but your own child not do not necessarily have to have rules and regulation like that. It's more like family values, you know. And based on that family values, the child has been brought up to know this is the, these are the family values, and therefore that child lives free with the mindset to uphold that family value. So we are not under rules and regulation; we are under the dictates of the grace of God, and this dictates of the grace of God is given to us. So that we can live free in Christ. Praise God. 
Now, today I'm going to be looking at part two of that message. And today I will be looking specifically at the conditions, the conditions that the goal must fulfill in order for the goal to qualify. And I will be looking at how these conditions were fulfilled by the Lord Jesus for us. And therefore, if he fulfilled the conditions that God has put in in the law of the goel, then we can be rest assured that he is indeed our goel. And whatever the goel represents, or whatever the goel is meant to achieve, according to the dictates of God, has now been achieved by Christ for us. Praise God. I'm going to share some things with you this morning that will, I believe will really bless you. Some of the things that the Lord shared with me, so that when you live here, I want you to live with a mindset that says, my sins have been forgiven. Why? Because the goel paid the price. The goel paid the price on my behalf. Let's go back into the text. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 47 to 52. Today, I'm actually going to stop at verse 50. So, we will look again at the law of the goel and I'll begin to extrapolate some of the things that the Lord has taught me. Praise God. Let's go into the text. The Bible here says, And if a sojourner or a stranger with you becomes rich, and your Israelite brother becomes poor beside him and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you or to a member of the stranger's family, after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brethren may redeem him. Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him or a near kinsman may redeem him or if he has enough and is able, he may redeem himself. Verse 50. And the redeemer that's the goel or the king's man redeemer now, shall reckon, shall count, shall put into charge, right, with the purchaser of the servant from the year when he was sold or from the year when he sold himself to the purchaser to the year of jubilee. And the price of his release, the price of his redemption shall be adjusted according to the number of years. The time he was with his owner shall be counted as that of a hired servant. So last week we looked into this and I said the sojourner or the stranger here is none other than the devil. When Adam in the garden sold, sold the whole human race to the devil, he sold himself and every child born through Adam into slavery under the lordship of the devil. So that's why he says, if the person who is uh, an Israelite sells himself to the stranger, notice it's not that the stranger uh, came to take him. No, he sold himself to the stranger by means of indiscretion. So when God told Adam in the garden of Eden and said, look, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but don't go here. And the devil tricked the woman and the woman told um Adam and said, Adam and gave, uh, took, took this, the, the, uh, the fruit from Satan and gave it to Adam. And Adam never questioned. Adam did not even say, no, hang on, baby. God said we should not eat this. He never said a word. He took it and ate it. Right? So he sold himself to Satan. And everyone born through the lineage of Adam, which is actually everyone born in the natural in the world everyone born into the world today through the virtue of human birth is born into adam all right and therefore automatically every one of those people has already sold themselves whether they like it or not onto the lordship of satan but god then said this law god put this law in place that says actually you know what somebody from the family of that person can redeem the person back so in in the case of humanity the only one that can redeem us has to be another man. The only person that can redeem humanity has to be another man. But there was no one qualified in the race of man to redeem us. And that's why God became man. God himself became man and redeemed us by himself. He became man. He became human. And which I'm going to show you today. He became human in the person of the Lord Jesus and redeemed us. Now, this law says, in verse 50, specifically it says, the redeemer shall reckon, when the person who redeem, redeems, 
he will reckon to the purchaser of the servant, the person who, who the servant has sold himself to now, he will reckon to the purchaser of the servant from the year the person was sold, which means from the year the person was sold into slavery up until the year of Jubilee, the price has to be paid. As it pertains to the human race, we were sold into slavery in Adam from Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible up until the time, the year of Jubilee, when Christ showed up in the temple and when he died on the cross and hung on the cross and paid the price. So the sins of the entire world, the sins of the entire world and the sin nature got crucified at Carizio. And this payment that Christ paid covered from the beginning of time, from Genesis chapter 3, up until the time that Christ paid a price. And Christ paid a price once and for all. He didn't have to die again. Christ has been dead now on the cross for over 2,000 years. But that sacrifice that he paid on your behalf and on my behalf and on the behalf of those who are yet unborn and those who were who were long gone past that sacrifice is as effective as it was 2000 years ago and it will continue to be effective a million years from now why because the sins of the whole world has been paid for at calvary's hill very important don't forget that so in in tandem with this law of the goer Christ fulfilled that part by being the redeemer of the human race and paid a price. Every demand of the law, of breaking the law of God, every demand of Satan over our lives, have, every demand has been paid for. Every demand has been fulfilled and met. There's no more demand upon our lives beyond the demand of love that we should you know, fall in love with Jesus and live our lives to please him. Praise God. So the law of the goal is in that respect. The Redeemer must pay the price in full. Now, please, I want you to hear this over and over again. That when the goal pays the price, there must not be anything left to be paid. The price is either fully paid or it's not paid at all. I will say that throughout this message over and over in different ways until you get it. When the goal pays the price, there must not be anything left to be paid. Now, that reality that there must not be nothing, there must not be anything left to be paid, that reality must not only be true, it must also be believed by you in order for it to work in your life. There must not be any thought process, any mind construct in you to suggest that the debt has not been paid. If there is such a construct, a mind understanding in you that your debt has not been paid for, then you have not believed the gospel. Then this law of the goal, you don't understand it. But the law of the goal, as far as God is concerned, is a law that he put in place as a type in the old covenant that God fulfilled by Jesus when he came into the scene. Praise God forevermore. So, there are three things that the goal must fulfill. In, must fulfill in order for the goel to be qualified. Number one, the goel must be a king's man. Number two, the goel must have the means to redeem. Number three, the goel must be willing to redeem. Three things. One, king's man. Two, have the means. Number three, be willing to redeem. So let's take a journey through the Bible as we relate that Christ actually met these three conditions in order for him to qualify as our goal number one it must be a king's man a king's man is a relative in which way did jesus become our king's man let's go into the bible the bible says here in the book of um, hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 to 15 the bible says since all his children have flesh and blood so jesus became human to fully identify with us. I want you to ponder that. He became human to do what? To fully identify with us. Which means, an angel could not identify with human. An angel therefore cannot be the one 
to pay the price for sinful human. It has to be Jesus. It has to be, uh, sorry, it has to be uh, someone who became human. So God sent Jesus through the virgin birth to be born as a human to take our place. And he fully identified with us. Fully identified with us. Which means when God sees us, he sees Jesus. When we give our life to Jesus and we stand in front of him, God does not see us anymore. He sees Jesus. You see, today in heaven, there is a representative man. Today in heaven, there is a representative man who is seated at the right hand of God on your behalf. There is a human. There's a human. Not spirit. A human. You know, who has got a, a, a glorified body. There's a human who is now seated at the right hand of God on your behalf. Oh man, that, that blessed me. There's a human now who is seated at the right hand of God. The man Jesus. He died in our place. So let's go back to the text. The Bible says, since all of his children, it's talking about us now, since we have flesh and blood, since we have flesh and we have blood flowing through our veins, Christ had to become flesh and blood. Yeah, he had to become like us. He had to become human to identify with us. Why did he do this? This text says he did this. Why? So that, because, so that he could experience death. He did this he, because, remember, the wages of sin is death. Adam sinned in the garden. The wages, the salary that sin paid, sin pays, is death. So Christ had to die in the place of Ad, the first Adam in order for him to be able to pay the price for the sin. Okay, so he became human to identify with us. Why? So that he could experience the death on our behalf. He had to die as a redeemer. He had to experience what we ought to have experienced, right? He died on our behalf. And what did he do? He annihilated the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. Essentially, he's saying here, Christ annihilated, which means essentially destroyed the effect of the accuser who holds against us the power of death. Essentially, the fear of death. The fear of the fact that we are going to be eternally separated from God has been annihilated by the death of Jesus. Now, the Bible then says, by embracing death, because Christ died on our behalf, Jesus did one thing. He sets us free. <laughs> he sets us free from the torment, from the tormenting dread of death. So because he became like us and he died in our place, by virtue of that death, we have been set free from the bondage of the torment of the dread of death which means we are not meant to be afraid of dying in the physical we are also not, not to have any concern in our hearts that when we die we are not going to be with the lord you know i told you before that when the bible talks about the wages of sin is death death there is not just talking about physical death why because everybody dies why does everyone die because in the book of, book of Genesis, when God pronounced a curse upon the earth, God said that, you know, from the ground you came, from the ground you will return. Which means whether you're born again or you're not born again, everybody dies until a time in the future when God is going to deal with death it, itself. The Bible says will be cast into the fire and forever there shall no more, no more be death. There shall no, be, no more be physical death. Okay. But, but God pronounce the, the the curse of death on the whole human race so everybody dies physically doesn't matter you might live up to 200 300 until that time in the future when god is going to put death in its place finally everybody dies physically so therefore if everybody dies physically what is he talking about the ways of sin is that he's actually talking about eternal separation from what he's talking about you know a, a separation from the life of god so the bible there says those who live their life in the bondage of the dread of death Christ, when he died, he paid the price for that. He paid the price for the sin of the world. By dying physically in our, in our place, he automatically make, make us to, to have a, 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 a confidence that we will never, ever be separated from God. We will never, ever be separated from God. Death will not be uh, um, a condition that we'll have to be afraid of. When I talk about death now, it means separation from God, from the life of God. Which means when you 
embrace the life of Jesus, when you embrace what he has done for you at Calvary's Hill, there's no such thing as you not making heaven. There's no such thing as, oh, men, oh, I'm going to go to hell. There's no such thing as, oh, God will cast me out. There's no such thing as, um, you know, there's lake, fire, uh, uh, lake of fire for you. Why? Because he embraced that for you so that it can set you free from the dread, the torment of the dread of death. When I was growing up, the predominant message we heard was, you better be careful you're not going to make it. But I'm going to show you today as we go through these things that the salvation of the believer is so secured that you are the only one that can walk away from that salvation. God did not give us a partial salvation. He totally paid the price and set us free. Praise God. Let's go into another text. So he identified with us. So he's our kinsman. He became human. All right. So he's our kinsman. Okay. Hebrews 2.17 says, This is why he had to be a man. Another text. He had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. Listen to that carefully. He took hold of our humanity in every way. He took hold of our humanity in every way every way what does that even mean it means christ understands you more than you understand yourself there's nothing you're going through right now the fear the anxiety the concern the you know the proclivities that you have that he does not understand why because he became human the bible says he was tempted in all ways yet without sin which means when he was a teenager he got the the same temptation you're facing right now christ faces as a teenager and he was able to live above all of that temptation without sin. So the Bible here says he became man to take hold of our humanity in every way. In every way. He became human so he can understand us from the point of view of the human in every way. Then he made us his brothers and sisters. Look at that. How could you say somebody is not in the family of God when Christ already made them his own brothers? And his own sisters he made us his own brothers and sisters and then he became our merciful and faithful king priest before God not only are we brothers and sisters of Jesus he is our merciful king priest merciful and faithful always merciful ever faithful king priest essentially he represents us before God Jesus Christ is our senior brother is our senior brother that's why it's a family affair if you come into this kingdom, it's a family affair. Now, look at the rest of the text. It says, He became our merciful and faithful king priest before God as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. I underline this text because I think it behooves us to really understand what he's saying. He's the one who removed past tense, our sins. Why? To make us one with him. I want you to understand what I'm saying here. You cannot claim to be a Christian. You cannot claim to be one with God if your sins have not been removed. The reason why he removed your sins is so that you can be one with him, so that you can be in him, so that you can be identified with him. So it is a misnomer to consider yourself a saint and a sinner at the same time. Because he removed the sins. He removed our sins so that he will make us one with him. We are one with the Lord. We are one with the Lord. We are inseparable from him. We are being united in one indissoluble union that God cannot, will not see us outside of Christ. Praise God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. The Bible here says Jesus Christ existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his, supra- as his supreme prize. His concern was not about you know holding on to the glory of heaven. No. Instead, what, the, what did he do? He what did he do? He emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. So Christ became what? Vulnerable. He became human. He became human. And how did he become human? He was born through Mary. He was born through the virgin birth 
and he came into the earth to as a human being he became human he was a perfect example even in his death a criminal's death by crucifixion so this text is saying christ became like one of us he died as us he died as us on that Calvary hill so by this text we see that he fulfilled the remit of being our king's man, redeemer. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, in the, in the Passion Translation, he says, And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. Christ, the word, became flesh and live, lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So we see here that Christ became human and lived among us. Alright, so is our king's man. He is called the second Adam. Christ is the second Adam. He came in our stead. Remember, an angel could not save us. So God sent his son to save us. He became human. He, he, he had to become a human. He had to come in the form of a human. in order to qualify as our king's man. Okay. Now, the second point says he must possess the means. He must possess the means. Now, this is perhaps one of the most important part of this conversation because possessing the means is very important. Let me explain that. If you have somebody who is a king's man of yours, who is who loved you so much, and you will find yourself in trouble, the person loves you so much, but the person has no means to, to help you, it is useless. They can love you so much from now to tomorrow, but if they don't have the means to help you, it is useless. So when the king's man comes, conversation about king's man comes, he must have the means to redeem. He must have the means to, to, put, to pay the price required by the purchaser, by the person who to whom we have sold ourselves okay now the bible yes is in first peter i want you to look at first peter chapter 18 first peter chapter 1 verse 18 to 19 the bible here says for you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation it was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes but the precious blood of christ who, like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. The Bible said the, 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 the blood that paid the price for our redemption was not the price of something that can be destroyed, was not the price of something that can lose value. It's not like gold or silver, but it is the price of the precious blood of Christ. Precious blood of Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. He washes bright as snow. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying there's a precious blood of Christ that saved you. This Christ, like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. It was sacrificed for 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 us now they there are two words in this text that i want to draw your attention to they are the words called ransom payment this words ransom payment in other texts like in the kjv is the word redeemed and this word redeemed is different it has a different kind of meaning from the word i call last week called ezagorazo to buy back from the slave market this particular one is the greek word lut lutru lutru i know what lutru means lutru is a is is a form of apolutrosis and it means to lose to set free or deliver by payment of a price you see why ezagorazo is to buy back from the slave market this one means to set free by paying the price so you buy something back from the slave market by paying the price but in this case you are set free and deliver by paying the price so you could say here we were not just only ezagorazod we were lit lutrused. what do i mean by that we were not just only bought from the slave market as it were never to return there again but we were lutrused. we were set free to go so what that means is this it's very important not only did God pay the price required to set us free or deliver us from sin, the bondage of sin, the bondage of death, but God set us free to move away, which means we were so set free that we are not going to go back. 
<laughs> I don't know whether you got it. We are so set free from sin that we are not going to go back. Why? Because the price there was that was paid for us was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So every time the consciousness of sin comes, every time accusation comes, just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Why? Because the blood still speaks today over your life. The blood still says you have been set free from sin. You have been set free from law. You have been set free from guilt and condemnation. You have been set free from every anomaly of this world. You have been set free because the blood of Jesus still speaks for you. Praise God. So you have been lutrud or apolutrosis. That's what we have. You have been delivered and set free. Now, here is a text that must be on the screen. One thing I want you to just read it out so that you can understand the gravity of what this means. In this text, it's a beautiful and encouraging thought for Christians. For it is not merely that we are bought out of the marketplace of sin, never to be returned there. A person could be bought on the slave block, never be sold on the block again, but nevertheless continue for the remainder of his life as a slave. This is not what Jesus Christ does for us. He buys us from sin to set us free. So, one thing I want you to say after me is, I am set free from sin. I am free to live a life pleasing to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Say it again. I am set free from sin I am, and I am free to live a life pleasing to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Again, it's talking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Unto him that loved us. You see, past tense, he loved us and washed us. You have been washed clean from your sins. How? Because of the blood of Jesus. It is in his blood that you have been washed free from sin. Praise God. The key thing is, do you believe that? Do you believe that your sins have been forgiven? That you are never to go back to the bondage of sin? Do you believe that? The thing is that if you believe that, then it's going to work for you. But if you don't believe that, it's not going to work for you. So God wants you to know your sins have been forgiven. Praise God. Okay. The other part is, is Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 to 12. The Bible says, Now the anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. For he serves in a greater and more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of this creation. And he has entered once and forever. He has entered once and forever into the holy sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. This part is so beautiful. Bible here says Christ, by the virtue of the Father, he, he has shed his blood on Calvary's, at Calvary's hill. He has taken that blood into the holy sanctuary in heaven and presented it to God the Father. The Bible says by virtue of that blood, the, the spotless blood of the Lamb of God, the unblemished blood of the Lamb of God, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, be, by virtue of that blood shed at Calvary's hill, that by, by virtue of that blood that is presented in the holy sanctuary of all in heaven the bible says he has he has made our salvation secure forever he has made our salvation does what secured forever in the kjv he talks about eternal redemption people of god you have been eternally redeemed by the blood of jesus eternally means forever redeemed means bought back delivered saved you have been saved delivered from the from the power of darkness and power of sin power of the evil one forever eternally redeemed by the blood of jesus praise god forevermore all right let's go to the last point last point says this person must be willing to redeem christ paid the price by his blood so the he has the means to buy us back he became a king's man. He's qualified in that aspect. The last part here is he's willing to redeem. How is he willing to redeem? The Bible here says in book of John chapter 10 verse 8. Jesus Christ says, no one take it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He's talking about his life. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So he was willing to lay down his life. It was a choice that he made. He was not forced to do it. Christ was not I'm twisted to save us. He chose to save us. There's a scripture in the book of Isaiah when God was saying, Who shall I send? And the Bible said, Jesus Christ said, here, 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 here I am, send me. He made a choice. He chose to come to save us. So he was willing to redeem. 
Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So for your sake he became poor. It's a choice that he did. Praise God. It's a choice that he made. Praise God. Alright, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Bible says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. Alright, so he did what? He gave his life as a ransom for many. He is willing to do that. This last point here is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says he gave himself as ransom payment for everyone. He gave himself. He was not asked to do it. He was not forced to do it. He was not amused to do it. He gave himself as a ransom payment for everyone. Praise God. So, how are you now expected to behave as one that has been redeemed? Before I answer the question, let's go back to the meaning of redemption, not Lutrus, but Ezagorazo. Look, in the Ezagorazo, it says here, Ezagorazo means to be bought back, right, from the slave market. I have a note here that says, Ezagorazo conveys the sense that the slave who is thus redeemed is never to be put up for sale in any slave market. That, that the one does purchase might never return there again. I want you to ponder on that statement. I want you to read that statement again and again. I will read it again. Ezagurazo conveys the sense, the sense, the truth, the knowledge that the slave who is thus redeemed is never, keyword, never, ever, ever, ever to be put up for sale in any slave market again which means god has set us free we have been delightfully set free from the slave market we are never ever 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 to be put up for slave again for sale again in any slave market which means nothing is meant to dominate us nothing is meant to put us down do you understand what i'm saying here we are never to be put up for sale again in any slave market the one who has thus been purchased might never return there again which means for freedom as christ set us free let us not again go back to the yoke of bondage. Let us not take ourselves back to that yoke of bondage. Christ has set us free. Let us stay in the freedom wherewith we have been set free. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. We have been set free from the law. We have been set free from sin. We have been set free from bondage. Let us not take ourselves back there. How do we take ourselves back there? By thinking as a sinner. By having sin consciousness. By thinking that the work Christ has done is not complete. When we think like that, we put ourselves back there. But Ezagorazo means you are never to be put up for sale again. You are never to return to the point where you sale again. Never. But the question is, are you going to receive that? The question is, are you believing that? The question is, will you, will you embrace what God has done? Will you believe that your, the payment for your sin has been so totally complete that you are never ever to be put off for slavery again? People of God, I wrote something on my screen here. I said, Jesus purchased us so that we might be taken out of the marketplace and never have to return. Once saved, always saved is the way some people have put it having been purchased at the infinite cost of the blood of god's own son there's no one who can possibly top the price and thus purchase us away from him there's no other blood that can purchase us away from christ no he paid the top price to redeem us there's no other thing that can take us away from him that's why Jesus christ says that no one can snatch them out of my father's hands no one not one thing can snatch us out of the father's hand we can choose to walk away but the father never lets us go that is the beauty of our redemption so what should you do now now that you know well you should redeem the time Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 say we should redeem the time we should take full advantage of every day as you spend your day for his purpose which means you should look at your redemption right and say never again will the devil cheat me Never again will I be cheated from what belongs to me. No, I will spend my time to know what belongs to me in Christ. And I will take my stand in what belongs to me in Christ. And I will live my life every single day to redeem, take advantage, redeem the time. Take, up, take advantage of the time and say, Lord, this belongs to me. You are not going to cheat me. Praise God forevermore. In, now, let me show you a modern day story about how this can affect you. If you don't accept what I'm saying, this is what this, this is what may happen to you. This is what the kind of life you may end up living. If you don't accept the Father, He has set you set off, set you free. Now take charge of that freedom and don't let don't 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 release your hold on that on that freedom. If you don't agree with this thought process, this might happen. 
But remember, but God is not the one who is bringing it. Now, there's a story, a modern story, on how we must take advantage of our redemption. It's on the screen. I believe it's on the screen. I'm going to just read it. Um, redemption is a gift of God, but it must be received. This divine gift can be refused. You can say, you know, I don't want it again. God, God has made you righteous. We can say, I don't want it again. It's up to you. But God says, God will never take it away from you. Look, in the year 1829, a man by the name of George Wilson had been arrested, tried, and convicted of murder and theft through the mail. Because his family was well known, when he was sent to prison, his family made appeal after appeal. Eventually, the appeals reached the desk of the president, Andrew Jackson. After he reviewed the files and became, because he knew the family and their background, and for their account, he offered not just um, clemency, but a pardon to George Wilson. They took the news into the prison. George Wilson refused the pardon. Refused the pardon. He said he didn't, he didn't want it to. He didn't want it because he was guilty and deserved to die. We were all guilty and deserved to die, but Christ paid the price, didn't he? Praise God. They told him he couldn't say no to it because it was a presidential pardon. But he said he could, and he was saying no to it. This is a true story. He refused the pardon. That set forth a tremendous legal battle because that question had never been raised in American history. Eventually, he walked its way up to the Supreme Court, and, it, and the decision came down from the Chief Justice John Marshall, who said, listen to what he said, a pardon is of no effect until it is accepted by the one for whom it is intended. I'll read that again. A pardon is of no effect. It doesn't if affect your life until it is accepted by the one for whom it is intended. Though it is almost inconceivable that a condemned criminal will refuse a pardon, if he does, if he does refuse it, the pardon is of no effect. Judge Wilson therefore must die. And die he did because he would not accept the pardon that had been offered him. Child of God, Christ already paid for your sins and made you right with him. You have been redeemed and there's nothing left for God to do. You must either accept that you are redeemed and live a life free of calamity and gossip and guilt and condemnation and the ravages of sin, or you may choose to live under the bondage of sin or the bondage of the law. But remember, that bondage you are putting upon yourself is an imaginary guilt and imaginary condemnation that you're putting upon yourself. God did not put that in upon your life. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, no adjudging guilty over your life. The choice now is yours. What are you going to do? I'm begging you this morning, take advantage of your redemption. Live free in Christ. Redeem the time. The Bible says, for freedom as Christ set us free. Let us now hold on to this freedom and not give in again to the yoke of bondage. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, that's non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating, treating it as something precious. People of God, as we round up, I want you to treat your salvation very preciously. Don't see yourself as a sinner. You have been set free by the blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus Christ paid for your salvation, paid for your redemption. You have been exagorazoed, taken from the slave market. You have been lutrous, set free to live a life of freedom. Don't go back into the yoke of bondage. Don't think of yourself as a sinner. Don't feel your mind as a, uh, don't feel your mind and see yourself as a sinner. Don't have this sin consciousness because sin consciousness will rob you of the freedom that you have in Christ. Praise God forevermore. Let us pray. Wonderful Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. I pray for everyone, Almighty God, who is listening, who is under the sound of my voice. I pray, Almighty God, somebody might be here to, today who is struggling with, with free, living freedom free in Christ, who is struggling with, 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 with living a life based on the laws of Moses. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the freedom that is in Christ may pierce their hearts this morning, Almighty God, and set them free in Jesus' name. I pray, Almighty God, that they may open up their heart to receive this truth of the Word of God that is able to set them free. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing, and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. If you have not given your life to Jesus, I want to just welcome you and ask you to rise up wherever you are, you know, and, and just say these prayers with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are my goal. Thank you that you paid the price for me. I give my life to you. Receive me as I am. Thank you for saving me. Become my Lord and become my Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that in your heart, and you say that out of your, out of your mouth, the Bible says you are not saved. You didn't have to do anything. You just have to believe. If you have believed, I just want to say thank you 
for joining the family of my father, the best family in the entire universe. God bless you real good. People of God, as we go, remember, you are blessed and highly favored. The Goel paid the price for you. Christ fulfilled those three conditions of the Goel. He was a kinsman. He paid with his own blood, precious blood. He also was, he was also willing to redeem us. And redeemed, he redeemed us. Let us not go back under the yoke of bondage. Remember, redemption means you must live with the mindset that you are never returning back to bondage. Redemption also means you must also go living the presence as being redeemed, not to ever think that there's something left for you to pay. Let me give you an example that will make this make this to make sense to you. You see, sometimes by God delivered me from from being uh, from debt, life of debt. I was I was totally debt debt free a couple of uh, I think a couple of years ago. God made me to be debt free. But something I want to show you was that I had a check where I was owing somebody. Let's say twenty five thousand, thirty thousand pounds. You know, for 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 just purpose of conversation. And I wrote on the check, the, moment, the day I paid that check, I wrote something across the top called paid in full. Paid in full. So anytime I want to doubt, did I pay this money? Did I not pay this money? I bring out the check and say, I paid in full. Anytime you want to doubt, as God totally cleansed me and paid for my sins, just look at the blood of Jesus Christ. Stamp on that check says paid in full. You know, next week I'm going to be talking about that word that Jesus Christ said on the, on the cross of Calvary called it is finished. I'm going to be doing a, a short series on it so you can know that the salvation or the redemption that we have in Christ is completely complete and totally free. Praise God forevermore. So your redemption has been paid in full. There must not be anything left in your mind that suggests that there's still something left to be paid. No. Christ entered in once and for all, for all time, and he gave us eternal redemption. Say with me. I am eternally redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Say it again. I am eternally redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Praise God forevermore. All right. Eternally redeemed child of God. You are blessed and highly favored. And until next time, keep winning. Keep moving forward and keep embracing the goodness of God and the, the identity that you have in Christ. Never let it go. Be like a bulldog. Hold on to it. Hold on to it and don't let it go. It's working for you. I'll speak to you another time. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We hope that you were blessed by the service. We were indeed blessed to have you. For love offering, kindly use the bank details on your screen or you can use PayPal by scanning the QR code on your screen. We hope to see you every Wednesday at 6 p.m. UK time for midweek service, every Saturday at 8 a.m. UK time for morning prayers, and every Sunday at 8 a.m. UK time for the Sunday service. The replay for today's service will premiere on YouTube at 10 a.m. UK time. We can stand in agreement with you if you would let us. For prayers, kindly wait behind after the service. Someone will be there to pray with you. Or you can visit our website at www.thelighthouse.org and write in your prayer request. Please subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel. Also follow all our social media pages. Don't forget to share, comment and like our messages. God bless you. Let the church say, oh, 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 lift your hands wherever you are and let the church, church hey, amen, let the church say, God has spoken, hallelujah, let the church say, Was a word from the Lord. We've got it so. Let the church. Let the whole church. God has spoken. Well, 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 well. Let the church. Let the church say. Let the church say. Dreams about to die, knowing that God is.
church say, let the church say, Believers, 